Good, good, good morning. Uh, the third Sunday of Advent, and uh, it's getting closer and closer. We were singing today about the wonderful name of Jesus, and I realized as we were singing that, that it isn't just about a name, it's what that name represents. And uh, the reason we worship, the reason we gather, the reason we bring the teachings or the prayers or whatever it is we bring, it's because of the, what that name represents uh, to our world, um, the name of Jesus and, and who Jesus was, and he was the human representation of who God is. And the good news that Jesus brings is, it's amazing. That's all we can say, it's amazing. And so that's what, when you see us, we have been touched by, by, the, by the Father, and uh, we just want you to be as well. That's our desire for this. So we are in the third Sunday of Advent, and, and I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, um, not my family nor the church we attended, uh, did we ever talk about uh, Advent or the aspect of waiting. It just wasn't part of what our church talked about. And it wasn't until uh, over the past few decades where uh, church traditions have blended together uh, and merged that I was introduced to Advent and what it was really all about and the whole thing of the posture of waiting. And... Um, I understood, I was taught that the whole thing of waiting was the, the waiting that Israel did, waiting for the Messiah to come. And it was centuries they were waiting for, for the Messiah. But it also speaks to us about Jesus returning as well. And that's what Advent is all about, is about waiting. And we've entitled this series, When Things Don't Make Sense, like now, We Wait. And, uh, you know, I've been thinking about waiting. To wait for a red light to turn to green, you can do that. Sometimes it's frustrating, especially if it's a long red. Um, To wait for a seed to grow in the ground. You know, you plant a seed and you wait and you wait. And we can do that too. And you can wait for a cake to bake because as it's baking, you can smell it. So it's, those things are easy to do because they're captured in a specific amount of time. We know that that waiting will come to an end. But the challenge becomes when we have to wait and we don't know when the end of that wait will take place. That becomes the challenge and the season we're in right now is all about that. We have no idea when this is all going to come to an end. And it feels like, as I've said, that everything's been turned upside down and we're just waiting, I am anyway, for things to return to some sense of normality. Um, and, and how long are we supposed to wait? Well, the typical answer you, you hear, as long as it takes. <laughs> and it's not really helpful. But we get it. We understand it's hard. But I think probably the more important question for us is as followers of Jesus, actually for all people, how does one wait? How does one wait? So from that, I, wanna, I just want to introduce to you uh, a what I call a bumper sticker verse that all of us like. And the reason I call it a bumper sticker verse, because there's sometimes there's specific verses we like that 
we'll have on a plaque or we'll, we'll put it on a bumper sticker or whatever. It's one of those things that it's a good saying and it's encouraging. But the verse I want to show to you is from Jeremiah 29, 11, And many of us, if you're in church, you know this verse. And it says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And we love that verse because that verse speaks that we have a plan. There's a purpose in our lives, and we love that. And those words are encouraging and they're inspiring. Uh, However, by plucking these verses out of their context, we lose a very important lesson here in this particular verse that God has for the people of Israel and a lesson for us. And it is the lesson of waiting. So allow me to give you the context right now. The people of Israel, they were waiting and waiting, as I said, for centuries. So that's generation to generation to generation talking about the coming of the Messiah, that the Savior would come, that someone would come to rescue our world. Please come. Right? And waiting and waiting and waiting. And somewhere along the line, they forgot who they were and they forgot who God is. And they ended up doing their own thing. Or as what it says, the saying in Scripture is they ended up doing what seemed right in their own eyes. And you got to ask, why do people tend to do that? Why? Well, there's a rub to waiting. (laughs) There's a rub to it. Waiting reveals that we actually are not in control of things. Just like this pandemic has. (laughs) That we are not in control of things. We are prone as people, as human beings, to needing some control in our lives. And when we don't have that... It's desperation sometimes will make things happen or we'll go ahead and do our own thing. We forget about what we're hoping for, what we're waiting for. Forget about that. And we'll just go and do our own thing because we need control. We have this need to have some control of my life. It's just there. And Israel did the same thing. They did the very same thing. They wanted control. And of course, they started going down the wrong road. And so God raised prophets to call them back, to warn them they were going down the wrong path. And they, that they needed to be patient and they needed to wait for God's perfect timing. In other words, Israel needed to let the cake bake, to let the seed germinate, you know, all that. But instead, they respond, and sometimes we think it's they respond like little kids. Actually, they respond a lot like adults as well. They respond like typical people do that are impatient. They keep opening up the oven door to check to see if the cake is baking. <laughs> they keep digging up the seed that was planted to see if, if there's anything. And God had promised to them that the Messiah would come. But at the right time, there was a time for it. And that required them to wait. But they were determined to chart their own path. And in charting their own path, what happened to Israel is that they became a target for other nations. In particular, the nation of, or the empire of Babylon had their sights 
set on Israel. And they determined they were going to conquer them and swallow them up. And then the time arrived when Israel was invaded. People were captured and they were taken physically into captivity into Babylon. This had all been prophesied. They had been warned through the different prophets, one of them being Jeremiah. And God said, you know, hey, this, this is what's going to happen, guys. You got to turn, you got to stop doing what you're doing. You got to learn how to wait, right? And, but horrors of horrors, it, it happened. And they were taken into captivity. Once there, once they got settled into captivity in Babylon, God had these words to say to them. And this is what it says in Jeremiah 29. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. And then further on down, it says, this is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. But then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised. And I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Now, if we think waiting for this pandemic to be over is long, it's nothing compared to the 70 years they had to wait in exile. Understand the reality of this. That basically anybody over the age of 20 that went into exile, we're not coming back. That was the reality. The promise wasn't just for them, it was for Israel, but it was for their children and their grandchildren they would have in exile. That promise was. And God's words of wisdom while they are waiting. His words of wisdom. I'm going to paraphrase it here, okay? What he's saying is, get on with living your life. Don't dwindle away. Don't do that. And I want to give you an example uh, of what dwindling away looks like as far as from my perspective. So my, my previous occupation as a police officer, uh, one of the things about police officers, in their day-to-day encounters with people, it's primarily negative. It's the, the dealings they have with people are in a negative situation. No one's ever thankful when they get pulled over by the police to get a ticket. <laughs> it's always, it's, they're, they're, they're not welcomed all that often. And what happens, though, with that when it's day after day, year after year, after a while, it breeds a cynicism and it dulls the ability to see good in the world. It just, it happens. Ask my wife, April. She will tell you <laughs> how it shifted me. And eventually that wears on an officer. 
And by about the 15 to 20 year mark, uh, it's not uncommon to hear officers saying, I have, you know, 11 years and three months and two weeks to go before I'm out of here. (laughs) And they're counting down the time to when they can leave. And it's like they're living for 11 years down the road, 12 years down the road, whatever that is, right? And what it is, they're waiting, but in the wait, they're just dwindling. They're existing. They're not living. And I remember taking a step back and looking at that, because I would have only been on maybe eight years. But seeing some of that and going, gosh, guys, why don't you just go find something that gives you life? And I, and I was like, I hope I don't ever fall into that category. I hope I never, I never go there, because I want to live now. And that's what God's purpose for us is to live now, not to dwindle away. And God's word to us, regardless of the weight that you find yourself in. And I'm speaking specifically, you may be in a place right now where you're waiting, having to wait. God says, live your life. Live it. Get on with living. And the question, the natural question is how? How does one do that? How do you do that? Well, I want you to consider this. God longs for us to know God. Longs for us. Because God knows you. And God wants you to know him. God wants you to know that he is the God who created you. The God who searches you. The God who who finds you, picks you up, carries you, provides for you, and heals you. That's why Jesus said to his disciples, I no longer call you servants. You are now my friends. God longs for you to know God. Because as I come to know God, I discover that God is worthy of my trust. That's what happens in a deep relationship, in a relationship where there's intimacy, where one knows the heartbeat of the other. A deep sense of trust occurs. And it's at that point of trust that my desire, my desires in me, shifts from the object or person or event that is yet to come, right? That thing that I'm waiting for, it shifts from there and it shifts to God. My desire is in God, not what I'm hoping will come. A t-shirt would simply read, wait, trust, live, repeat. (laughs) That's what a t-shirt would say. If you had to put it down in just a few words. And the reason I get on with living is because slowly I've learned and I continue to learn. So I'm not here to say I know how to wait. I don't. If you saw me on the drive here to the, to the uh, property this morning, you would see that Scott has a hard time waiting for the, the red to turn to green. <laughs> um, a little bit. And, uh, but God is in the wait. And God is not only present, but in my wait. But God is moving in my life, guiding my life, transforming my life, Right? God isn't just the God of what's to come, 
God is the God of the present because remember God's name. What he told Abraham, what he told Moses, I am present. It's the present. God is in the present. And if I'm only looking for God when what I'm waiting for comes, if, I, if that's where I'm expecting God to be, I miss God here today. I miss God here today. I miss God in the present. And God is in the present, in the wait. God is there. David captures this so, so well. And understand, the, any of the writers of Scripture, some of the wisdom they write and some of the insights they write, this didn't come to them from, it didn't fall out of the sky and they got this aha moment. This came from actually living it and knowing it. And David, as tough as a warrior, as a king he was, one thing about, that's notable about David is that he loved God. There was an intimate relationship that David had with God. And David wrote a poem about this whole thing of waiting, and it's found in Psalm 62. And I'm just going to read it to you right now. This is what David writes. I wait quietly before God, for my victory comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. Further on down, David writes, Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. Oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. Look, if there is just one line from David's poem that I want you to take away with you today, it's verse one. If there's anything you can just take away, take this, which David writes, I wait quietly before God, for my victory comes from him. And in that line, David is saying, it's not my victory. It's God's. And because of that, I will wait. What we are waiting for is not ours. It's God's. And so we wait. We trust God. And my prayer for you is that in this Advent, in this season of waiting, which is really a season to reflect on the whole thing of, of our wait for the return of Jesus, but also many of us are waiting for this pandemic to be over. Many of us are waiting for different things in our lives to occur that we sense God has said will happen, but we're looking, we're searching. Maybe there's loss we have had and we're sensing for that, we're longing for that sense of, of completion, that, that restoration to take place, that replacement in our lives, something to fill that. And God says, listen, in the wait, trust me, trust me. I hear your cry. And as David said, for God is our refuge and so we will wait. 
So let me pray. Father God, we, we come before you right now. And Lord, we're all of us. We're, sometimes we're like little kids, you know, little wee kids that just, we don't want to wait too long. We're like kids in the car on our way to a trip that says, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And, we're, and we keep on asking. And Father, Lord, we know, we know that you are worthy of our trust. And so, Father, I just pray for us, Lord, that whatever it is we're in the weight, whatever weight we find ourselves in, that, God, that we could just take a breath, settle down, and listen to your heartbeat. I pray for those who are watching, Lord, that today they will hear your heartbeat, Father. They will know that you are with them in the weight, they will know that actually it's not the whatever they're waiting for comes is their hope, but that you are their hope. And we thank you, Lord, that you always provide, that your word is faithful, that you can be trusted. You are a trustworthy God. And so, Father, we just ask for you to come. And Lord, for people who have not, who are listening right now, who may have never encountered you, and are looking, what is, is there anything in this world that, that's tangible that they can hold on to? I want you to know right now that God is that place. God is that, what David says, that rock, that strong place that you can anchor into. God is the one who provides life and gives you a future and a hope, both now and forever. And so my prayer for you is that you would just call out to God and say, God, would you hear me? I, I want to trust you. And I can assure you that as you, as, if that's your longing in your heart, God will answer that. I, it's, we are witnesses of that. We are witnesses. So Father, we just ask you to come right now into the homes or into the cars or wherever people are listening or watching. And just come and minister right now. We thank you for who you are, Jesus. And we declare, yes, you are our hope and our refuge. In your name we pray. Amen.